Hello, 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 and welcome back to Time to Adapt, where we break down movies and the books behind them. I'm here in the brand new studio next to the wonderful Selena. Hey, everybody. How are, how are you doing? I probably, yeah, you can't give me they, feedback. They can't, they, can't, they can't give feedback, no. But, you know, I just hope you're having a great time. You know, it's a great day or evening. Have a good one. Yeah, yeah. Have a good one, everyone. <laughs> so it's been a. <laughs> this is I really a didn't start. mean to start this so awkward, but just I just haven't like today. I've just been on awkward like one hundred. It's <laughs> awkward one hundred. Yeah. It hopefully you'll like I'll dial it we need down. To copyright that. But uh, I'm at an awkward one hundred. I really am. Selena Allen, 2019. Like I'll try to tone it down, but you know I. There's no connection between my brain and my mouth and no filter. Oh, yeah. So Words here we hard. go. Words are hard. <laughs> Enjoy the hard. mess that is about to happen. Absolutely. It's been, God, it's almost been, it's been over a month it's been since a while. the last time we recorded. Yes. So we figured with it being summertime and it's finally nice out, we're going to dive into some Really good stuff this Something over, over super this cheerful? Yeah, <laughs> over this summer. We're going to have some cheerful stuff. We're going to have some depressing stuff, including what we're going to talk about today. But before we talk about that, Selena, what's new with your life? You got anything going on? Um, not... How's that I, nose of yours? Oh, I can breathe. You can breathe? I can breathe. So for those... Did that. A lot of us... A lot of people don't know this, but like my nose was fucked up before because my septum was so deviated. It was like folded in half. I wasn't I couldn't get air up my nose. So I just thought, hey, I have a useless nose. That's fine. But I went to the ENT and she's like, your nose is fucked up. So I had surgery and now I can feel air in my <laughs> face and it's weird. Yeah. Like I, I turn to people and I'm just like, do you feel air up up in your nose? And they're like, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. breathing. And I'm like, it's wild. This new thing called breathing. It's great. Wow. So that's just been my reality for the past few days is just like being able to breathe like a human. Right on. Right on. <laughs> what about you, Mac? How's, how's your life going? Oh, you know, existence is pain. I work full time. <laughs> I work full time and I just moved into a new place and that was stressful. And I went to a wedding in Tennessee a couple weeks ago. And that was that was fun. It's uh, it was a place called Pigeon. Is in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee. It's like the Wisconsin Dells on steroids, and it is fun. It's kind of terrifying, but there was the reception was at a half scale replica of the Titanic. Because what doesn't say romance like a ship full of dying people? Yeah, <laughs> a, exactly. A, a disaster. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. So that was fun and. You know, on top of working second shift, second shift sucks. It's the worst. I feel like I'm a robot right now because I'm going to be working like the next seven days nonstop. But fun. hey, I'm making money. money. I'm yeah. making money. Money's I'm making fun. Good money. So Money's I can, great. So I can go home and drink myself to oblivion for that, for that matter. Hooray. Hooray. <laughs> so we have to tell you guys about our email, don't we? Yes. Uh, so we have an email because we're fancier now and we would love to have feedback from you guys. Um, drop a review on like your podcasting, like Apple podcasts or wherever. We just want to hear from you guys. Uh, see if you, if you have any suggestions, what you want to hear, 
Um, we're always looking for new books to talk about or graphic novels that have been turned into like that have adaptations. So um, our we'll post the info of like all of our the places where you can try and contact us. But our um, email time to adapt zima at gmail dot com. So yes, you know, try and talk to us if you want or don't. We might start we'll up. St- we'll still keep talking, but yeah. you know, we would we, like some back and forth. If possible. Yeah, we would really like to um, maybe even start up and if we start getting enough feedback, a little thing where we can t- have pe- we can have our uh, we can allow our listeners to have their have their voices heard on the podcast. Yes. So you can if you if you had an opinion about what we're going to talk about today. We'd love to hear it. We'd love yeah. to be if able to share it. If you want to argue it. with us about something, go for it. It's Please a, do. It's a free space to argue with us. <laughs> yes, change my mind. Try it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so I guess we should transition into what we're going to be talking about. Oh, so, I suppose. So today we're going to be talking about Watchmen because uh, one, like Mac has been trying to get me to read the comic in forever. So I finally, I did it and it was great. And also... Um, HBO is coming out with a show, so we're like, let's talk about Watchmen, and then once the show drops, we'll we'll kind of revisit it. So keep an eye out for that in the future whenever the show drops. Which it looks to be very interesting. Yeah, we'll talk about. Later I'm on. psyched yeah. after reading the comic. I was like, I'm I'm a fan, but yeah, we'll get into that. <laughs> um, Great. Yeah. So, Mac, why don't you talk a little bit about the book or like what it's about for those who might not know. Well, Watchmen is sort of a, um, it's an alternate history, and it's where superheroes kind of sh- started showing up in the 1940s and ni- through the 1960s, and the presence is what sort of, it changed everything. And in that way, the United States won the Vietnam War, uh, the Watergate breaking was never exposed, and by 1985, the country is going towards World War Three with the Soviet Union, um, Superheroes have been outlawed, and any former superheroes are either retired or they work for the government. So it begins with the murder of one of the more powerful superheroes, the comedian. Yeah. And this one of one of these heroes, uh, Rorschach, who never really stopped doing his job. Yeah, he's pure vigilante down to his bone. Like And he's sort of like, oh god, how he's kind of like him? um he he's kind of chaotic good. Maybe or a like chaotic neutral. Maybe how how the book introduces him is through his journal, and his journal to me read very much like a manifesto. Oh yeah, for like um, a serial killer. <laughs> yeah, he kind of he kind of falls into that, but except for he just because he's like one of those serial killers that are like I hate the dredges of humanity, so I will like clean the earth. But he wears masks and a mask and does that. So I guess he becomes a hero in a way. I don't know. He is a very complex character where I was like, I am not a fan of him because he is like misogynistic and kind of a bit of a sociopath. Yeah, he's yeah, he's not a great human, but he's sort of but he does. But he becomes a hero through the book and just how tenacious he is about trying to find out who murdered the comedian. And who how, also isn't a great human being. I love, no. yeah. We'll we'll talk more about what we really love about the book. But yeah, basically Rorschach 
he refused to retire. So he's invest uh, and he starts to investigate the comedian's death. Um, as the investigation goes on, he reunites his former Minutemen, uh, Minutemen, which is like a collective, like superhero group that formed what in the seventies. Well, well, the Minutemen started in like the forties. Yeah, but then, and then like the it new was, iteration, the new iteration of, came around like in the seventies until I believe nineteen seventy seven when the. Um, when the like a bill was passed, the bill was passed to stop that. Yeah, to stop superheroes. So we kind of see these heroes like after they've put down their capes and everything, and so he starts to kind of assemble, like visit them, being like, "Hey, someone's killing masked heroes. Be on the watch out. You should help me." And it's kind of just about how these people are being pulled onto this journey that some of them don't want to be on. Absolutely. Um. So. In essence, the book is about trying to find out who's targeting them and why. Yes. And it's it's super dark. I mean, what's what we'll probably go and get into it a little bit more later in the episode. But for now, it's important to know that this graphic novel changed the way people looked at comic books. Because before this comic, a lot of people saw comic books just as as kid fare. They they had not nothing to be taken seriously. But it was around the eighties, especially with the rise of the writing of Alan Moore and yeah. the art and writing of Frank Miller, that suddenly people were like, oh, they can be really dark and they can be really, really fantastic. And because of this, basically every single like great graphic novel that has come since Watchmen, all of it would not have existed without Watchmen. Watchmen just really... It, it kind of re- set the bar. It set the bar, and it won the Hugo Award, it won a ton of awards, and it ended up um, becoming pretty much like anybody who's like a serious fan of literature, I think, has a copy of it. Even if you don't like graphic novels, you like Watchmen. Mm-hmm. It's, it's really interesting how the book is set up. So... Uh, as Ack mentioned before, Alan Moore wrote it, um, and with the artist David uh, Dave Dave Gibbons Gibbons and colorist John Higgins. Um, Did was- you know that Alan Moore worships a second seventh uh, century serpentine god? I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, <laughs> you take a look at the guy; he looks like like he looks like he does. He looks like I. <laughs> Alan Moore, it's like it's the point where like if you see a homeless guy in the street, you're never sure is that Alan Moore or is it a homeless guy? Oh my god. <laughs> we we love Alan Moore, by the way. We love you. Alan, we love he you. He just has a very distinct. We know you look. really hate your film adaptations, but we're kind of I'm kind of I kind of like them, but we're gonna get into them. <laughs> yeah. Except so. for Yeah. I think this is one of we've we've covered almost every Alan Moore almost one that's been converted to film, except for from hell. Yeah. That's li- that's That'll on come the soon. List. That's on the list. It's on the list. <laughs> we Maybe. have a long list that's beginning to grow. But. Yeah. So this was so Watchmen was published by DC Comics between 1986 and 1987, and as like single issues. Yeah. And then by 1987, the collected issue came. A collected volume came out, and he used the story. More used the story as a means to con- to reflect contemporary anxieties and to deconstruct and satirize the superhero concept. Because yeah. normally you think of superhero, you know, you think of Batman, Superman, you think of all this. They're the absolute good, and they're going to do good. 
And well, my personal opinion is Batman's a dick, but he kind of. Yeah. <laughs> He's a rich dick. <laughs> He's basically what happens if Ayn Rand was a superhero. Oh. Fighting words, people. Fighting words. Fighting words. Fighting words. <laughs> but yeah, be, the he uses the book to really like explore the Red Scare and yeah. just the tensions that were happening in the U.S. Uh, during the Cold War. Even with like one of the main um, elements that keeps coming back is the Doomsday Clock. Yeah. Which was set up during the Red Scare and during the whole Cold War. Mm-hmm. So a lot of like part of what makes the graphic novel so interesting is that not only are there just like all the panels and beautiful artwork, but there are whole sections that are just there for background canon and background lore. Yeah. So there's essentially like three stories that are happening within this one book. So the, the story that's happening with the, the heroes or the retired heroes, I guess in, uh, in the eighties. And then there are in between there are um, portions of a book from one of the masked heroes from the forties. Um, it's called under the hood, under the hood. Yep. And then within that, there's like snippets where we see um, a boy who hangs out at this newsstand and reads comics. Um, and it's so there's a story within the story. And that's a pirate Tales comic from, called Tales from the Black Freighter. Yeah. Tales from the Black Freighter, uh, which he reads. And so everything that happens in, in the black in Tales from the Black Freighter mirrors what's going on in contemporary in, in the contemporary set setting yeah and not only are like are those in there that kind of make the the narrative i guess the narrative i don't know it's an interesting take on a comment it's not very straight as straightforward but um it's there's also like non-linear narrative that happened um like there's a portion that follows Dr. Manhattan and his thing is he like, how would you call it? Like he got trapped in a, in a, some sort of experiment thing. And I can't remember the scientific words for it, but basically he got blown up to shreds um, by science. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Hold on a second. I'm, I'm getting to it. Cause like, okay, I've, I have started... I, I always forget like the the scientific names for like what blows up characters. He was or disinter- what he was disintegrated in an intrastic field sub subtractor. Yeah, so science. And and like so basically <laughs> it like it basically ripped him apart. Yeah. And then he spent like three months putting reconstructing himself. himself. But now he's like this blue dude and he he see his his experience of time is like all at once. He he can like see the future, but also see the past at the same time. But it's only his future and past. Yes. Um. So his portion of the 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 graphic novel, I freaking love. It's amazing. I think it's it's arguably ex- the best part. I I would say that hands down because you get to they wrote it from his perspective, so you're. So he's reflecting on the present and the past and the future all at the same time. So your each panel is like from a different time period, but it all makes sense and it's oh, it's just poetry. So it's 
I love how the comic just plays with narrative and time. It's absolutely just absolutely brilliant. Yeah. And like there are whole sections of like you said earlier, there's like whole like chapters from under the hood that show up, mm-hmm. <clears throat> which is fascinating. And I, I, I and can't then there's rem- some other stuff too, like later on uh, with like reviews or articles written by um, people that like Rorschach's like in, uh, investigating, or as as the story progresses, that they're, they're getting closer oh, yeah, to the. Isn't like the doctor who's um, psychoanalyzing Rorschach? Doesn't isn't his like his notes? I his think notes show up in it. Yeah. Um, that's that that's a that's a great subplot I love too is watching as the guy who's analyzing Rorschach slowly starts losing not not losing his mind, but he's slowly His life's kind of falling apart. His life falls apart all because of this and because of him kind of seeing the world through Rorschach's perspective. Mm-hmm. Which I think is great. So <clears throat> we're here to not just talk about the book, but we're here to talk about the movie too. So when did you first did you first hear about the movie or the book? I first probably list, heard about the movie first um, through like most of like my introduction to comics and like manga and that kind of like storytelling is usually through my brother because like growing up, he was the one that I was always introducing me to stuff. Like I never really knew like where to like jump into to that like world and he'd be like you should check out this you should check out that so um he and he's a pretty good artist too so he would draw a lot of just like redraw like uh Rorschach and just recreate the characters so that's kind of how I knew about it but I hadn't watched the movie and I hadn't read the comics till like this year so um but I was always like aware and I was like I want to watch that one day, but it wasn't until like this year where I was like, you know what? I'm going to actually sit down and freaking read this book. Mm. So I read the book first and then watched the movie. Ah, uh, so. so around like, it was around like 2005, 2006. That's when I started getting into, um, I mean, I've always been like a <clears throat> comic book fan, um, but not nearly as much as, as much as like other people were mainly because, you know, when the stigma of being kind of a nerd, yeah, when Back being a nerd wasn't cool. Wasn't cool. <laughs> um, I would read Fantastic Four comics because those Ooh, were my mom's my favorites. My dad has some great like uh, ones from like the the what I think the seventies or yeah. something. They're fun. And there's like, I liked those. And I had some like my dad had some old. Um, there was this uh, Marvel comic Zombie, mm-hmm. which is it's it's a cool little sub story arc, but it's really bizarre. Um, but when I started to get into more um, serious comics, Watchmen always came up. I always saw Watchmen, and everyone I knew talked about Watchmen and said, this is sort of like, this is the, the granddaddy of them all. This is the mother of them all. It's the best. He's the granddaddy and the mother. He's the granddaddy <laughs> and the mother. It's that fucking big people. So, and then obviously I heard about the movie, and I was really excited about the movie because I just loved the idea of there being something so violent being made into a film because I like I've been on forums on like movie forums and I knew that this was kind of an unfilmable project. There is a lot. There's so much. There's so much content that it's kind of impossible to um, narrow it down to two hours, let alone the film itself is like two hours and 45 minutes. So yeah, it's a long ass movie. Yeah. So 
And there's more of it. Like the director's cut is how like the director's cut is an extra 23 minutes, I believe. Yeah, but then there's and then also... there's the ultimate cut, which I think is it, it's really just for psycho fans, because when the movie came out, um, two other things came out alongside of it. One was a complete motion comic of the film uh, of the book that was like it's like four and a half hours long. And the second thing was an uh, animated version of Tales from the Black Freighter that's narrated by Gerard Butler. Yes. And it's it's amazing. Um, but they those were released separately, but they did this ultimate cut where they cut in the Tales from the Black Freighter segments into the director's cut. So they're really they're edited in, in perfect spots and it makes a lot of sense. It kind of takes you out a bit because it's it's because it's animated compared to everything else. However, it's really like if, if I sat someone down and was like, we're gonna watch Watchmen, I would not show them the ultimate cut. I would honestly even like <laughs> that's a little like throwing someone in the in the ocean, not even in the deep end. It's just <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's there's the theatrical so much... cut is a good. I think... You got to work your way up to that. Yeah, the theatrical <laughs> cut I think is a fine. It's fine the way it is. I prefer the director's cut, but the theatrical cut is fine. So, to talk about the film, it was released in two thousand nine, and. It's it's been in development hell for a very long time, and I'm gonna go into one of my favorite little tidbits about the, its development in a little bit. But basically, from 1987 until 2005, there was the the film adaptation that was in development hell. Uh, producers at 20th Century Fox, uh, Lawrence Gordon, Warner Brothers, um, even producers like Joel Silver and director Terry Gilliam, which I'll get into that in a minute. Um, Later, they all realized they thought all were like, "This is unfilmable. There's just too much." It's both. A, it was both a factor of there's so much there, and it would cost too much money to pull it off for something that's that at that time was only ever seen as sort of a a comic book. And the fact that they were not going to spend that much money, oddly enough, this movie came out like two years after. Wait, no, a year after the Dark Knight. Dark Knight was what two thousand eight. Yeah, 2008, yeah. And, you know, like, The Dark Knight was pretty damn dark. And then here comes Watchmen. Yeah. Which is probably the bleakest of all the superhero tales ever put the film. Oh, yeah. Like, it... Maybe Logan. That was pretty bleak, too. Oh, yeah, that was pretty bleak. But for, like, that time, though. For that, for that time, time. Like, one thing that I really loved about the story is that you see them, like, try really hard to save the world and like and try to stop the bad guy but the bad guy wins yeah uh and in a roundabout way saves the world yeah and yeah the bad guy ends up i mean like like most great villains the best villains are the ones whom they have a lot of there's a lot of logic to what they're saying and what they do and so when they do their th to see a comic where the bad guy gets away with it and it, for the most part, works. That is up until the very ending, when when it's implied that um, the truth gets is going to get out. That is kind of, I think, I think it's brilliant. Yeah, because you see these heroes like struggling with like trying to get back into, like, like they're trying to recreate the ideals that they had when they were younger, doing 
being like masked heroes. But now they're like, well, shit, World War Three is about to start. I guess we got to do this again, like try yeah. and save the world. But then they're constantly being posed like, why should you save the world? Like, look at how shitty it is. Yeah. Uh, and then the hero and then the villains like, well, I'm telling you my master plan after I've already done everything. There's nothing you guys can do. Yeah, that's a really brilliant moment when they're like, we're going to stop you. We're going to stop you. Vite, Vite, we're going to yeah. stop you. And There's he's like, why would like, I be telling you this if I if there was any chance of you stopping me? I already did it 32 minutes ago. I was, like, was like, what? Damn. I, uh, uh, and then yes. you see, and then you see, um, I think it's the second issue, then when you see the squid. And I have some issues right here with this in the comic, is that I get the squid, and I get how like um it was manifested from an artist, and like um Vite figured out a way to um, make it like bring it into reality mm-hmm. um, to give the world like a villain that it could unite itself against. And there he's like giant alien squid. Yeah. That comes to destroy earth basically. But, and this is where I think the movie, um, I guess I, I'll, I'll get, and I'll get into it later when we get more into this, but yeah. So one of these versions happens, I think to be one of the most fascinating unmade films ever made. And in 1993, Terry Gilliam was going to direct Watchmen. Ooh. Terry Gilliam of Monty Python fame, director of Time Bandits, Brazil, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen, was tapped to do this. And he was using a script that was basically rewritten and changed a ton of things. Now, I'm one where I totally believe that... Um, a movie should not be exactly like in the book. There, there should be some changes and sometimes the changes work. Sometimes they don't. What happened in this script? I know like, cause parts of the script are available online right now is it was going to end with a, a full on nuclear attack to hap- uh, happening in seconds before it happens. Basically, um, Ozymandias gives Dr. Manhattan this ultimatum that he has to kill himself in the past in order to end all of this. And well, Manhattan kills him first and then realizes, oh, fuck, he's right. So he goes back in time and prevents his own creation. And then suddenly all the the main characters pop into there in Times Square in 1986 and it's based, it's our, it, it, they're in like our universe. Why do they know they're in our universe? Because one of them looks down and sees somebody reading a Watchmen comic and they look up and see him, see them like, you look just like in the comic, which I honestly, it would have pissed off all the oh, fans. Oh yeah. Like part of me, like right now is like, oh, I don't. Like it, it's I mean, I'm doing, I'm, doing, I'm doing a piss poor job of explaining like the, it's the an, twist. It's but. an interesting like concept. Granted, like I just yeah. Oh, I don't know if I could like go from like, from there to the, there. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's like it's, a totally different thing. Which is. is which is fine. But like knowing Terry Gilliam, it would have looked awesome. It would have looked amazing. Robin Williams was going to play Rorschach. What? Yeah, picture that for a second, people. Who? Yeah. I don't know if my brain can wrap my head around. Ooh, that'd be really interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not sure I'm not sure if he was if these were for this version of Watchmen or if this was for the uh 20, 2009 version, but for a while Ron Perlman and Mel Gibson were also kind of were also um I think that was for the 2009, 2009 version. Okay. Yeah, yeah, for Mel Gibson. I love the idea of of Ron Perlman for the comedian or even Mel Gibson is basically the comedian. He's just this Yeah. Super famous asshole. Yeah. Like they even say in the comics that like the comedian is basically a Nazi. <laughs> yeah. And like there's something that like I I have a little bit of this is going to sound a little bad, but <laughs> OK, I'll prepare. Um, I, I think it. the comedian is one of the best, be- better characters in the comic because of how of all of the characters, he is the one who is completely aware of the world he is living in. And takes full advantage of it. I'm not saying he's a good thing. Oh. But yeah. as a character, and like at the end when he realizes all of this was for all of everything that was going on, and that in the end no one would believe him, that's sort of the moment when he had to come to Jesus, when he's like, oh my God, what have I become? What am I? What are the th- these things that I've done? He thought he was being like, he was satire satirizer of what you know yeah satirizing satirizing that's the word that i my brain was struggling with uh <laughs> like the world he lived in when in reality he was just like just another cog in the machine yeah um okay i can see where you're coming from mm-hmm. like he he is definitely an interesting character in that respect because he's just like I don't give a fuck. I will be a horrible person I a because fuck. I I killed President Kennedy. I, I, I killed, killed a, a pregnant I killed, woman. I killed a pregnant woman. I sexually assaulted a woman. I also killed Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward and stopped the Watergate scandal from happening. Like Jesus. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, But so finally a version of the film came out and it came out in 2009 and it was directed by Wisconsin native Zack Snyder. And my issue with the film, it's it, like when it came out, it really polarized fans. It's, people it either still is like rather it, polarizing. Yeah. Like either people like the adaptation or they don't. I find it to be a very faithful adaptation. Oh um, yeah. I, I find it to be very faithful. Like there's a, there's stuff that was left out and there was certain things that were changed, but it makes for, sense why it was left out. Yeah. But for the most part, it's like, very faithful to the point where it's like, Jesus Christ, this is a lot. <laughs> yeah. There's that. And there's also the fact that it, it came out at a time when superhero movies were not, they were bankable, but they were, they weren't seen as super bankable yet. This was before the Avengers. The and the Marvel cinematic universe was only like maybe two or three films in at that point. Mm-hmm. And, the X-Men films were not seen as well, after the, the, the dismal, dismal last stand people were like, oh, do people, do people still want this? So Watchmen made back its budget, but only by a hair. Yeah. So they, that's why they, they never really saw, did it. <laughs> yeah. But it wasn't until like, Oh, five or seven years later when people finally were like turning around to it and like, you know, this is actually kind of ahead of its time. And that I opening? do agree. The, the opening, opening is one of the best openings of a film ever. Oh, yeah. It perfectly ex- shows the world. Build. It does great world building. Mm-hmm. It shows how the superheroes 
changed the world. So like you have, and then like their rise and fall, their rise and fall. So like you see, uh, um, the silk specter on the Enola gay as it drops the bomb on Hiroshima. You see Mm -hmm. the comedian assassinating president Kennedy. You see, um, you see like, you see Castro and, uh, Khrushchev. Yeah. Khrushchev, um, collaborating together. Um, Oh, you see the superheroes like they're like, as I mentioned before, their fall. So you see what was it? The moth. uh, You see Mothman go crazy. You see him go crazy. You see the guy with the cape who got stuck in the revolving door, which is which is something that's like they talk about a bit more in the book. But like just the imagery, it's like, ooh, that. And then there's and then there's the one who I'm not sure if she was mentioned in the comics, but there's the one who was openly gay. Oh, uh, what's her face? Uh, Oh, my God. I can't remember her name. Damn it. Yeah, it'll. I can't. Remember. You know, if you read the comic, you know what we're talking about. But yeah. like, she basically ends up being killed. She as, gets, she's, yeah, she's murdered. murdered. She and her her lover are murdered. Yeah. And so, that was great. The thing that I had an issue with with the film is that in the comic, they're just humans. The only one who's a superhuman is Doctor Manhattan. Yeah. The rest of them are just bulky fighters. But they're not that they're not the best fighters and they can't. Yeah, they like can't. the owl. What's night name? owl? Night owl. He's just like he likes birds and he's like, let me just fight. Yeah. <laughs> let me fight in the streets. And yeah. And so in the movie, <laughs> well, that was, that's the second night. The first night owl is a cop who's like, mm-hmm. let me do this at night after my shift. Yeah. So. So there's that. And there's also. <sighs> well, in the movie, like they didn't say that they were like superhuman. They they yeah. they just. They portrayed them as like having excellent fighting skills. Well, but also granted, you, well, also you see them like take serious hits. You see them like hit go take like go hit against walls, and it, it's almost like they're taking like superhero punches. And that's where I'm like, mm. that's kind of I get it. I get what they're going for. Um, I didn't mind it as much. I didn't mind it. I just noticed. I just one of the things I noticed, and I'm mm-hmm. like, eh, and. I'd say probably the most, the biggest change that they did for the movie happens to be something that I am prefer over the comic. Mm-hmm. So if you remember in the book, um, Vite creates this mechanism that brings things into existence and he brings this con this artist's interpretation of a squid into existence. Yeah. And it drops it into the middle of New York City. It it's killed. It dies immediately because it's like it's not supposed to be. It's not supposed to be. And also, it like I think as I recall, it like it's morphed into some of the buildings too because it's just yeah, it basically just kills everything that it touches. Yeah, um, uh, and the purpose, as we mentioned earlier, was to have the world unite against a common evil, which would be this giant alien squid. And have them believe that they're being attacked from aliens. So then the World War Three will stop and they'll all. Everyone will hold hands. Yeah. But <laughs> in the movie, it's changed. So it's an explode. It's, it's a like a not like it's like a Glo- like um ma- like all the major cities over the world will have this like giant explosion. But it's supposed to mirror um Dr. Manhattan. Dr. Manhattan. It's, it, they used, it's the power, the same power that Dr. created Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. So, so everyone believes to, yeah. that Dr. Manhattan did, committed this crime. So and, again, the same idea is uniting the world against a com- common 
evil, but it is Dr. Manhattan. So um, basically at the end, Dr. Manhattan realizes like in the book, he's like, well, this does bring about a peace. I guess I'll just like peace. He pieces out. And yeah, he, he, he doesn't want anything to do with the earth, with the world anymore, because yeah. in a way he's become a he's, higher conscience. He's lost his humanity by just be like being the being he is now. Like, yeah, he doesn't really have any connections to humanity anymore. And that's a big part of the book. Um, a care, one of the characters, she, tries to appeal to his humanity or what's left of it. And he does come back because she does in a way convince him that humanity is worth saving. But then he realizes that, no, I don't want to be here anymore though. Like he does what he has to do and he leaves Yeah, <laughs> without giving away too much. And I think that in the movie is a lot, makes a lot more sense for yeah. how the world comes together. Cause like, I, I believe it's, it's implied that it's not just in New York. It happens in like a few other major cities around the world, mm-hmm. which makes a lot more sense. If something just happened in New York, I can easily see the Soviets like, oh, that's what you get for being capitalist pig. But <laughs> when it's happening in other countries, then it becomes like a common, like a global, a, yeah, a cause. global, a global cause. We're like, okay, we have to end Dr. Manhattan. So, in that way, I prefer that ending, but I can still like. There's still a lot, a lot of moments that was that with Zack Snyder. He's not a great filmmaker as much as he is a great. He's great at, at moments, just not full on things. So like, if you talk about the Bat- Batman versus Superman and that whole train wreck, they had there were everyone can admit there are beautiful moments. There are like beautiful little slow motion moments. Mm. Even in Watchmen, there are these great slow mo moments, like the opening credits. Visually, or... like there's a lot of fun stuff that goes. on. Oh yeah, like and Snyder, as much as I respect him for like the for you know being from Wisconsin and managing to become one of the biggest directors working in Hollywood, it's it seems to be a lot harder for him to do to to man to manage to make to take those good parts and extend them over like a two and a half hour running time. So even in, in the end, we just have good moments in the films and not a good film in general. That being said, I mean, I enjoyed Watchmen. If it's yeah. on, if it's like on TV, I'm like, Oh, I'll watch, I'll watch it. I, I enjoyed it. Like I can, I can understand why people would have issue with it. Uh, but for, an adaptation. It is probably one of the more truthful ones I think we've seen. Oh yeah, um, it's, it's that we've talked about on the show. Like oh yeah, it's it's almost to the point where it's where it's a little too much because it is so long. Like um, there I there are some things I don't really that I was like that felt just too on the nose about the film. Like sometimes the performances weren't exactly what I liked, but yeah, I'm, like I'm not a fan of Melaine Ackerman's performance as the silk specter. I didn't, I didn't hate her in it. Like I didn't mind it too much. Um, Patrick Wilson, I thought he was as, as a, night owl as night owl. I thought he was a good choice, but then there were just some, like, I guess it must've just be like direction just that felt just too much 
Like, look at he's a dorky old, like 30 year old, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like it just felt so on the nose where in the book, it's just they kind of explain like he really doesn't know what to do with this life at this point. And like that, I don't feel like that's really shown as much in the film. It's more like he's just a dorky 30 year old that <laughs> I, I, has to push his glasses up his nose every two seconds. You know, I, I, like I that get kind you. of like a I caricature. I get you there. Yeah, but but I sense. liked him as like I thought it was good casting. And yeah, I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan as the comedian. Ooh, yes, he was. First of all, like the, my first introduction to him as an actor was uh, Supernatural. I'm like, fuck you. Oh, <laughs> I'm, not a a I'm not a supernatural. I'm not a. I'm not a supernatural fan. So, <laughs> so I don't know. He's he's good at playing like shitty people. <laughs> yeah. So but he did a really brilliant job. I thought. Yeah, and. Jackie Earl Haley as Rorschach was great because yeah. one of the biggest questions is like, what does Rorschach sound like? Because like, it's never implied. You don't know exactly how he sounds. So, you know, he could, he could just talk regularly like this. Or he could talk like this. Like Batman. Pulling the Batman. <laughs> Last night a comedian died. <laughs> Give me back my face. <laughs> Which like, I, I, with when, when it's Jackie Earl Haley, it makes sense that that's why they chose, that. that's why, how he sounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I do like in the comic, there's the reference to why Rorschach put on, why the the Rorschach face is his mask. Yeah. Where it was like, it was the design of a a shirt that was supposed to be worn by Kitty Genovese, who was the girl who ended up being stabbed to death in front of all these people and they didn't do anything about it. And that's why he, that's why he kind of became a superhero. I thought that was kind of cool. I didn't catch on that the first time I read the, the comic. I didn't actually read this all the way through until like six months ago. And that was because like I had rented it. I had like picked it up from the library a ton of times, but I could only ever get like 30 or 40 pages in before. It's, 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 it's fucking a, dense. It is a dense read, but like one thing like V for Vendetta is also a super dense read. And for me, V for Vendetta was harder to get through than Watchmen. Watchmen. Yeah, there's some there's some really boring moments in V for Vendetta. Like it's V for it's Vendetta good. is good. It's just hella dense and yeah. just doom and gloom the whole time. <laughs> Whereas like Watchmen is also doom and gloom, but like uh I the pacing is a lot yeah, easier. That's fair. So, so- one of the other reasons we're talking about this, um, and this is actually might be one episode where we'll come back to this, is because HBO is doing a show based on Watchmen that's done by Damon Lindelof, guy who did, he co-wrote Prometheus, he was a showrunner for Lost and The Leftovers, both very good shows. I think, I think Lost is overrated. <laughs> personal opinion personal here. opinion here but i think the leftovers <laughs> is one of the the most depressing tv shows ever made i don't I've, mean that in a bad way i've been meaning to but like it's yeah it's, it's super it's, depressing like i just like i finished chernobyl i need something light like <laughs> i still need to finish chernobyl oh it's so, so good so good. Um, okay yeah so we're i'm super excited for it because the the teaser and the trailer are fantastic i i'm just super excited um, it's supposed to premiere sometime in the fall 2019, um, but it's not. He explained it, Damon uh, Lindelhoff. He explained that the show will be inspired heavily uh, from the canon, but will not pick up right when the film and the novel left off. So that should be interesting. Yeah, because it looks like it's gonna. It's it's a from what we've seen, 
it looks like it's like a good 10, 20 years into the, into the future. Cause yeah. we see there's sort of like a little cult that's based around Rorschach and based around his, um, the, the, the book that, or his diary that he left in the, um, new frontiersman office. Mm-hmm. And, um, Jeremy Irons is Ozymandias, which, which is great. Fantastic. fantastic. Like, and the Irons fact that like, there's so many characters that we don't, that there are other superheroes that haven't been talked about yet. And the fact that there, we know, we, I know like Dr. Manhattan is going to show up in it. I mean, if you're doing fucking Watchmen, you have to have, you Dr. Have to have Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. He's probably one of the most recognizable things. If you don't, never read the comic, you know, Dr. Manhattan. Yeah. Like you've seen the, you've seen that the naked blue guy. Yeah. So that yeah, before I even read the the comics or watched the movie, I I was like I I knew the care like those two main characters Rorschach and um, Doctor Manhattan, but apparently like he Dan uh, Damon Lindelhoff he uh, posted on his like a long letter to the fans on his Instagram um, about how he knows that people will be mad about the show, but he's like, hey, I'm a huge fan of Watchmen. You're right. I'm, I'm excited because like I love to see new interpretations of old things. Yeah, same. And there's I I'm not a big fan of people like oh it's this is the way it was written this is the way it has to be made. And I'm like no it doesn't. It's like Shakespeare adaptations. Just because it was written in the in the 1600s doesn't mean that they have to wear all those fancy clothes. I yeah, mean I'd love that's the why we got she's the man. So we got, <laughs> she's the man. We got oh we got um. <laughs> We got we we got Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet people. <laughs> oh God, we'll we'll do Juliet Romeo and Juliet at, at, at some point. At some point, it's just, I know you have you have thoughts. Oh, I have so many thoughts. <laughs> so do I. So anyway, what did you think of the film? Oh, I as I said, I enjoyed it. Like the whole time I watched it, I was I was just like I was just enjoying it because it was. The comic book brought to life minus a few parts. Yeah. You know, um, it was like I enjoyed like how they showed the violence. I loved how bleak it looked to match how like the tone. I enjoyed it thoroughly, actually. I enjoyed a lot. Um, obviously, I have some minor nitpicks, but the nitpicks. Yeah. Like I've, if you really I'm more in, than willing to give them give him a pass because it truly feels like a filmed version, like just a, a movie version of the book. Yeah. Um, obviously, we kind of went into what worked and what didn't work. Um, what were we expecting to see and what we weren't expecting? Um, like, I love the whole small segment in Vietnam where we see uh, Dr. Manhattan and his at his full power when he's killing off the Vietnamese and how they're all surrendering directly to him. All of that is fantastic to me. Um, yeah, all in all, um, it's definitely, I think even if you don't like comic books, I think Watchmen is something where anybody, anybody can get into it. Yeah. Like I'm kind of like at this point, I'm like thoroughly exhausted with like Marvel, like superheroes, like granted, like I, I've I've watched a few of the recent ones that I've enjoyed, uh, but I, you, I feel like a lot of people are kind of at that place right now. Just like Marvel dominates everything, and it's kind of exhausting. 
Marvel and DC dominate everything, yeah. Yeah, but... That being said, this is a DC comic. But it's good. It's good, yeah. It's good. So, yeah. So, it's I'm, like, it's good DC before they, like, before they had a bunch of fucking hiccups. With, yeah. I just... I want DC to be good again. But Make that's just DC what, great again. <laughs> but, yeah. So, like, if you're exhausted with superhero movies and you, and you end up watching it, like, it won't exhaust you. Yeah. It's it's different than, you know, your run of the mill. Yeah. So do you have anything else you wanna you wanna plug? Uh I think we've pretty much covered everything. Like I would recommend it, folks. It's a mm. fun time. Well, it's sad, but it's a fun, sad time. <laughs> I'm not sure how much I'm allowed to say on here. Um, but <laughs> But I'm gonna say it anyways. <laughs> If everything works out correctly, um, I will be moderating a forum on The Handmaid's Tale with my at my local at my bookstore that I work at. Um, it's all up in the air. Don't know if it's going to happen yet, um, but if it does, I will be sure to give you guys more information about that as it happens. It'll be I think it'll be sometime in July. So that's going to go on. And of always, we have um, a summer reading program that we're starting. Yeah, more information will come out. Um, check out like our our next episode. We'll have more details. Um, still like developing a few things, but once that is all set in stone, uh, it'll be separate than the books that we'll cover in the uh, podcast. But it'll be like a list of uh, Mac and I's like favorite like recent reads or favorite books of all time good good books to read during the summer yeah good books to read during the summer and if you're interested like we'll be posting information about that as to if you just need some book recommendations so keep an eye out for that um i think next time we're going to be talking about good omens because that show just came out and i'm a slut for david Tennant. so i'm a slut for neil gaiman <laughs> oh yeah me too yeah I'm a slip for all of them. So <laughs> keep an eye out for that episode. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thanks for listening. And, and until next time, this has been Time to Adapt. I'll see you later, everyone.